Welcome to Unboxing E-Commerce. I'm James Marks, a serial entrepreneur who built an e-commerce fulfillment service called Whiplash. I've been investigating business mysteries since I launched my first business when I was 17. I'm Jennifer Yates, a business operations leader, creator, and connector. We use our combined expertise and curiosity to understand the process behind the package. Each episode, we order from your favorite brands and reverse engineer their operations stack. We learn what tools they're using and why, so you can run your business like the pros. We start exactly where you would start, shopping. After our packages arrive, we'll rate the unboxing, review their packing materials, and their shipping methods. Then, we get into the relationship between the shopping cart, branding, warehouse location, delivery speed, and the other multitude of factors that drive customer experience and your bottom line. Jennifer, are you ready to unbox e-commerce? I'm ready. Let's get to that box. Hey, James. How are you? (laughs) Hey, Jennifer. I'm good. How are you? I'm also good. I'm curious because uh, you and I both have this tendency to kind of get obsessed on a topic and go down rabbit holes and like Mm -hmm. stay within that obsession for days, weeks, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. What's your latest? Oh, I just came out of the darkness. I was, I feel like I was missing from, from home for five days. Um, I was building a data importer. I know it doesn't sound very interesting. (laughs) One of my customers, I was importing some old data and the imports that we had, it would break every 15 minutes and it would take like hours of like babysitting this thing to to bring in like, you know, six months worth of data. Mm -hmm. And so I I stopped everything and rewrote it from the ground up. It takes two minutes per year now. Whoa. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with that. So is this like a little, what is it called? ETL or whatever, like it is, it is mm-hmm. extract, transform, load. It is exactly yeah. a little bit of ETL. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I don't use that term because nobody knows it, but man, you just came straight out of the gate with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, thank you to my history yeah. with uh, software development. Well, I didn't know we were those projects. I think there's a lot. Of, well, this is true for me. I don't know if it's true for everybody. I was doing ETL for years, like inventing the wheel. And you're like, well, it'll be round and there'll be spokes and something, you know, eventually you're like, yeah, that's a thing. It's called ETL. Here's like the pros and cons (laughs) of different strategies. I had one of those moments recently where like I developed this, you know, kind of this method for planning and structuring what I like to call polygonal and matrixed, very complicated projects. Wow. Yeah. And then I went online and it's like, okay, that's kind of called a work (laughs) breakdown structure. (laughs) It exists. But I was like, no, I like mine better. Yours has so many more (laughs) syllables, which I really appreciate. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So you basically were in a cave for five Mm -hmm. days building, custom building this thing. Yeah. How many years do you have to import? Uh, it, it, in the end, I went for five years and I ran out of data. I hit the limit on the source that I was testing against. But I was what I was doing is I was trying to do a, a one motion, many actions, where I had a few customers who needed an import project. I had a prospective customer that I'm hoping needs an import project soon. I've got a third person who needs the same tooling, but for different reasons. And so you're you know trying to like, what one action can I work on that's going to like unlock all these different things? Um, and that turned out to be a kind of generic importer. And it's it's not ready for release, but as a proof of concept, you're like, oh, 
Oh, that's quite good. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. MVP is there. Yeah, MVP is, MVP is there. Um, yeah. And anyway, so so that's what I've been working on and obsessed with. How, how about you? My latest obsession is noticing day-to-day things and relating them back to business operations. Okay. So let me give you some nuggets. The first is there was that product called Shake and Bake and the commercial that aired in the 70s for Shake and Bake was basically like a kid in the kitchen with their parents saying, I want to help you make fried chicken. The parents Mm -hmm. like, let me show you how. And they go through the process of shaking, then baking, right, and then taking it to the table and the dinner is served and everyone's like, oh my God, this is so crisp and delicious. Okay, What I'm doing is linking that commercial back to delegation. It's a delegation 101. And I'm explaining all the different ways that that is delegation 101. So like there's knowledge transfer. Like, and then mm-hmm. let me give you the tools, which is mm-hmm. the chicken, the breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. the plastic mm-hmm. bag. You you shake it. I'm going to oversee your work. And then we'll bake it, which mm-hmm. I really need to oversee because it's a hot oven. Da, right. Da, 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 da. right. Some risk points. Yeah. Risk points. Then you come out to the the person eating and you get instant user feedback. This is good. So that's delegation 101. I'm I love it. Con- you know, shake and bake, it's um, really tailored to the skill level of the of the trainee, right? It's a kid who maybe has some skills in the kitchen, but they're sort of borderline. Um, and so like, they can shake it in a bag, right? Like they can do this. I, I love, um, I don't know, I think it's super getting like the appropriate message and expectations for your, your user that that's, That's right. And the appropriate, I guess the Zoom level too, yeah. the, the criticality of the of the task right. and what level of expertise is needed to complete it. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, so I, I mean, to the, to the point of the rabbit hole, wherever, how many minutes we are into the podcast, we haven't talked about the brand that we're unboxing today. Should, yeah. should we pivot? You chose our episode two brand. Fenty Beauty. Can you tell me and our listeners the mastermind be- <laughs> behind that decision? Oh, I wish there was mastermind to it. That um, I think I just like Rihanna, I think is really what it comes down to. She had a couple of hits um, that worked their way into my life. I think when my daughter was in middle school, um, that just just like the messaging was so strong and her that kind of fierce independence. And then obviously she took her music and brought it into business with Fenty Beauty and did that at a very high level. Um, she's just, she's an inspiration. It's Rihanna. Gotta love her. I'm not one of those people who follows celebrities very closely or knows very much about them. Do you know why Fenty Beauty is called Fenty? Uh, I don't. Why is it? It's Rihanna's surname. It's her surname. So I'll give you a a brief little history and all my sources will be in the show notes. Obviously, we've already been talking about the fact that Fenty Beauty is Rihanna's company. Rihanna, the pop star, the woman of iconic hairstyles and (laughs) stunning makeup and fashion. Like I said, I'm not that much of a follower of celebrities. But when I think of her, besides all of that stuff I just mentioned, 
she just comes off, just like you said, fierce and confident and really intelligent. But she also has this quietness while she like grasps the world mm-hmm. in her hands. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she just kind of, she just. That, that's uh, part of, that's part of her power, right? Is she, she doesn't care if, if, if you think she's powerful or not, cause she knows she is. Right, right. She actually trademarked her surname Fenty Mm -hmm. in 2013, which Mm -hmm. is several years before she founded Fenty Beauty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, likely because she wanted to start some businesses under the name. She did have a fashion business. I guess she ended up pivoting away from that because the beauty side was doing much better. And so she said, well, for the energy, I'll just focus on the one that. Yeah, the the margins. Yeah, on a on a successful beauty product are much more attractive. Yeah. It's, it's smaller, it's easier to ship. It's a recurring purchase by nature. If this is your lip gloss, then you, you are sort of gonna you're gonna buy more, right? Right, right. You're that's a, actually a really good point because the amount of makeup that I buy in a year on repeat yeah. versus a piece of clothing. Far and away different. Yeah. She did launch Fenty Beauty in 2017. Kind of the goal there was to be as inclusive as possible of all skin tones. One of her most highly demanded products is Pro Filter Foundation. And when it was launched, it was launched in 40 shades. That is a lot of shades. If you think, I mean, just from a, a skew and yeah. a supply chain perspective, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. And then all of those had to be developed as well, right? Those are 40 yeah. kind of distinct yeah. color profiles. Color is very difficult. Yeah. The formulation and the mm-hmm. like the quality plus then you add in beauty and like all the standards and like FDA right. approvals. Right. I mean- right. Anyway, so 40 shades, it later grew to 50 shades. Mm -hmm. And the brand really was addressing a gap that wasn't filled by other beauty brands. Mm -hmm. And the shades just, they match every skin tone. After the launch of Fenty, even these other brands that that weren't satisfying that gap, they were then scrutinized and criticized Mm -hmm. because of their limited shade. Uh, Once somebody somebody calls it out, you're like, Oh, that's totally undefendable. This is awful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the U.S., when Fenty launched, it was initially released in Sephora brick and mortar stores, mm-hmm. Sephora online, and Fenty's own website. And at the same time in the U.K., it was available in one department store only. Mm-hmm. Today, it is available in 17 countries worldwide, including mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia and eight African countries. Wow, that's awesome. She, she came, I would say, out of nowhere, except she wasn't coming out of nowhere. She came out of an extreme position of, of you know, popularity and then used that to, to great effect. I took a little bit of time and kind of reviewed their website and kind of picked up some of the technologies that, um, that they're using to pull this all off, if you're, if you're curious. I'm very curious, and I'll be curious to see if you... Um, if you used any of the technologies that I used that are available on the website. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's, um, let's see, they're using Shopify for their, their web store. So that um, isn't a huge surprise other than it's a, it's great to see a nice big brand using Shopify, which is awesome. 
They are adding to that with Accentuate to add some custom fields. And it looks like they've got some category images and things like that that aren't really supported in Shopify natively. So they're pulling those in. So what does Accentuate do? I have not heard of that. It's a utility. Um, it's a utility to add custom fields to supplement your product descriptions and the kind of data on your website. Um, okay. It's the leading professional solution to extend your Shopify store with your own fields, such as multi-language text fields, checkboxes, data, custom objects, mm-hmm. and more. Um, okay. They lead with multi-language. And I did notice that um, Fenty, more than a lot of stores that we see, has really pushed their, their multi-language capabilities. And so, especially you were saying how it's available in Saudi Arabia and these different African countries, um, I think... That that could be part of how they're doing that is um, with with Accentuate. I see. And now that you say it, there is like a little uh, flag in the upper right hand corner yeah. of the website, and I clicked on it, and you can change your shipping to. It looks like every country in the world yeah. is listed there. So and so for that piece for the global shipping cross border, um, they're using a company called Global E, hmm. um, and they basically do it's. They, they specialize in these cross-border transfers. And so what they'll have is, you know, it'll be USPS or FedEx up to the border and then a very carefully orchestrated cross into the, the border. And then it picks up with a, um, you know, whatever national carrier makes sense in, in the destination country. Interesting. Uh, is Global E its own? I, have we ever talked about this? I used to work for Pitney Bowes, which has a globally e-shipping or global e-commerce and shipping platform. Yeah. So this is global-e, which is not the Pitney Bowes solution, but it sounds like they could very well be direct competitors. Hmm. Okay. There's there's a handful and they, I've seen them sometimes specialize in different regions as well because you, you get to know the customs scenarios very, very well. Um, you, you might specialize, like I see they launched global-e, global-e, launched in the UK, then Spain, then France, and they kind of worked their way around Europe very specifically, right? So you would build up that portfolio of expertise over time. I see. So that somebody like Fenty can just say, okay, yeah, we're going to hire Global E, and then all of those very specific border crossing optimizations come at once. Yeah, so everything funnels through Global-E, mm-hmm. and then they handle it from there right. to right. distribute it. Yeah, and they're not necessarily running trucks, but they are navigating that border crossing. When it's done well, it's it's reliable and, and cost effective. It's, you know, if you're just shipping like USPS and having and kind of leaving yourself to the best that they can do, the it's just not quite what you would expect and you're going to end up with lots of lost packages and refunds. Uh, what else do you see? So, let's see, using Clavio for marketing automation like everyone. Clavio, I it's um it's wild. I feel like every e-commerce brand I talk to is using them and good job for the, to the team there. <laughs> Order Groove for subscriptions. You know, we were talking about how makeup lends itself to needing the same product on a regular regular basis. Um, they're using company Order Groove to to manage that. Uh, Zendesk for customer support. Narvar for returns, which we've seen them come up before. There's one that I thought was interesting. There, there's two There's two that I think are interesting here. One is called Dynamic Yield, hmm. and they're using this for personalization. And their pitch 
is to algorithmically match content products and offers to each individual. So Interesting. Use, I suspect because they're also, they're using like, I can see a TikTok tracker on here. I can you see Google trackers, all of that data. So like you're like on, you know, the social media stuff, liking a product there, it's going to factor in. Like let's say you like a product, you like look at an ad for a product and come to the web store, it might offer you a discount on that product. So in my former life in corporate, we had a like a division that did the algorithmic analyses Mm -hmm. and using data science to determine someone's like propensity for their next Mm -hmm. best purchase. So Mm -hmm. that if you did, you know, if you were engaging in one purchase, what are you most likely to do next? I I was fascinated by it because we we did use that kind of that kind of machine learning system a lot. Well, and it's it's actually so effective that you get into you make people uncomfortable with it. I don't know if you remember um, when Target got in trouble for for over personalizing that they, that, you know, the, the story, if you remember this, um, it was a father complains. They're like, why are you advertising diapers to my 17 year old daughter? Like, are you trying to get her pregnant? Like, what is wrong with you? And the reason they were pushing that product is because she had bought vitamin E lotion, something else like these three products that they could predict she was pregnant and expecting a baby. And so the father was actually uninformed, had not been notified about this. And so what Target had learned was that they actually, so they, they mix in the recommendations into a general pool so that they are not quite as revealing about the things that the algorithm can can predict. Oh my God. Yeah. They basically outed this. They outed this girl. The dad gets mad. Yeah. And he had to go and apologize to them. And he's like, actually, appears you knew more about this than I did. And uh, Whoa. what else are you seeing? What else? Um, so let's see. They got the TikTok tracking pixel, which obviously we didn't used to see those five or 10 years ago. One trust for consent management. It's a whole company dedicated to the the bottom bar where you have to accept cookies. So do you see, I and I don't know whether whatever your product, whatever product you're landing on, if you are on a product, but I'm on a lipstick mm-hmm. because I'm a lipstick. Oh, whatever a kind word is for fiend. Um, <laughs> I just, I probably have way more lipstick than Aficionado. I need. There you go. <laughs> One of the buttons on the screen says, try this shade on. Nice. Nice. So uh, I can use my camera and like actually see what it looks like. And did it? Did you try it? Yeah. Well, here, I'll try it right now and let's see what happens. Oh, they've blurred my wrinkles too. <laughs> this lipstick is great. <laughs> yeah. Exit this experience. Yes. i'm done experiencing this i already put the lipstick in my bag did it smooth your face i feel like it smoothed my face and made my lips in particular like the lipstick wasn't what it it, the lipstick was not showing up that i could tell but i do feel like it it accentuated my lips in like a subtle (laughs) way <laughs> I wonder if the color you had on was too light because some of the colors did that to me. So then I moved to darker. Yeah. And then it looked more lipstick like. So cheers to you for trying on lipstick. I it was it was easy and, and low risk. I guess that's the point of these experiences. 
right? You're like, wow, I didn't know how good I looked in in lip gloss. This is um, this is going to change things. Yeah, it could very well change things. <laughs> I had one more topic. Okay. So the only other technology I noticed, and I, this will come up actually, is when we go to buy these things, they're using Afterpay. They have an option for Afterpay, which turns your purchase into four easy payments over time. I've always kind of ignored those. I, I, I don't quite understand them as a consumer, but I was shocked to learn that they raised $448 million. Oh. I thought a lot for, for something that seems like really simple. It's just a little icon on a checkout. And then in 2021, they sold it to Square for, drum roll, $29 billion. Whoa! <laughs> for an icon that says, turn this purchase into four payments. Wow! <laughs> I mean, that was 2021. E-commerce was exploding. Valuations were ridiculous. But even if you factor that in, it just still is a truly stunning amount of amount of money for I, I wouldn't have predicted. I wouldn't have either. But yeah. you're right. Like in 2021, I mean, everyone was home. Everyone was ordering everything online. Yeah. And, you know, e-commerce felt like it was 10, 10 years ahead of where you know, the market expected it to be. And, and so now those valuations are all way down because it's turned out to be demand pulled forward and not just the new future. Cool. Which pro- which product are you purchasing? Let me, let me get the same one. I got the Fenty Icon. Oh, I should talk about why I got this besides the fact that I like the color. So it's the Fenty Icon, the fill refillable lipstick in semi-matte. I, that's a long name. It's a refillable lipstick in semi. I think I got it. And it comes in 16 yeah. shades. Yes, exactly. And I got Crowd Surfer. Here's why I'm getting it. Number one, I'm looking for kind of a raspberry lip color. So Crowd Surfer meets that. As a bonus, as I'm shopping and I see this refillable lipstick. Mm-hmm. And the the idea of being a little more sustainable in our purchases, I was like, oh my God. I th- saw this refillable lipstick and I thought, okay, that is something I've never seen before. And so I looked at the little, you know, chart, like you put the lipstick in, you snap it in place. And then I guess when it runs out, it's just that center mm-hmm. plastic piece that's holding. So it's sort of a a plastic tube and like a case so they can make the case a little nicer. The idea is that that will, I wonder if you could even change colors in the case. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The case is you can, as long as you're ordering the refills right? or the refill, I guess. Yeah. How does it get refilled? Well, they really want you to sign up for the subscription, save 10% on every order and never run out of your Fenty Beauty and Fenty Skin uh, drip again. So I, I, I was still going to order the same item because I like to see if they ship it from the same place, you know, same, oh. same order profile. I don't different. So the only thing we're changing is, is where it's going to and to see oh. if we can see if we can get somebody to ship it to us from different places. I like that idea because now we have a control product. Exactly. Besides being a lipstick fiend, I am a mascara fiend. Okay. I switch brands all the time. I want to try it all out. So I think I'm going to go with the full frontal volume lift and curl. 
I'm buying both of these items. Okay. We didn't talk about the pricing here. I think that was one of Rihanna's goals in rolling out this beauty brand is that it would be accessible, not just via skin color, mm -hmm. but pricing. Right. Exactly. Price point. And as someone who spends, I like, I just spend money on beauty products without even <laughs> looking because I love them. For me to purchase two separate items and my subtotal come in on still under $50 is pretty amazing. So I'm getting I'm getting the fill semi matte refillable lipstick in Crowd Surfer and then you're getting that plus the the full frontal volume lift and curl mascara. I'm on, I'm in my shopping cart and there is you can make a donation while you're in there. Mm-hmm. I had an interesting experience. I, I put my email in and then without me asking you to do anything, it sent me a text with a six digit code. And then I put that in and it kind of logged me into, I think it's the the shop, um, shop pay. It's like a layer on across all Shopify stores so that you have an account with that. And then so all those Shopify merchants, you kind of, you have your payment method on file and things like that. Yeah. Order completed with shop pay, which does make it much, much easier. This is released okay. by by Shopify itself as sort of a, a master account across all their stores. It does make it easier because I just enter the code and everything is filled in. Yeah. My shipping address, my credit card. Oh, you yeah. did it already. Yeah. <laughs> you, you hit the big purple button that says pay now. Yeah. It was so easy. I, I just it was right yeah. there. Fast forward a moment and we'll we'll unpack and we'll see how long it took and we'll see what the packages look like. Yeah, we're going to get to that box. All right. <laughs> see you soon. See you then. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> so, James, I can't wait to unbox or <laughs> unenvelope this. We ordered on a Tuesday. That's when we re we mm -hmm. recorded last. I received my package that Friday. So did, did I. Oh, which is interesting because we came. So, if we look at the shipping level, um, so I'm on the West Coast. Mine came from Westchester, Ohio. How about yours? So did mine. Okay. And there's stuff on this packing slip that got me excited because I was like, ooh, I recognize <laughs> those words. Yeah. From episode one. But yeah, it does say Westchester, Ohio, at least for the returns department. Is that mm -hmm. where you're getting that from? Well, I'm looking at the on the label itself. It's a oh. USPS first class package, which I want to talk about. Um, and the return address is the warehouse manager Fenty uh, in Westchester, Ohio. Yep. So I'm actually I'm actually shocked that you didn't get yours for three days because you know Ohio to Michigan that's often just one or two days, usually not three. And that I've got yes. a much longer transit to get all the way out to California. Yeah, there were so at the time that week there were a lot of really bad thunderstorms mm. in the Midwest and in the okay. South. Okay. And I don't know if that impacted it at all. Certainly could. And the other thing I find interesting on this label in the upper right corner, it is shipped by Pitney Bowes. Is yours also? Yeah. Also, um, yeah, Pitney Bowes uh, commercial price. So I used to work at Pitney Bowes okay. and I was not in the e-commerce shipping area. I was in a different, I was in the software side and doing different things. But I know that Pitney Bowes is the shipper for 
companies like eBay. They have a huge e-commerce division that is, I think we talked about this a little bit before, but it's a global e-commerce. So that border to border kind of handoff that we talked about, I don't know a whole lot about that side, but it well, gave me some yeah. fuzzies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and so they would have sold the label. Um, as, as Pitney Bowes classically had the relationship with UP, USPS that going back 20, 30 years ago, no one else had. There, now there's a little bit more of those licenses floating out in the world. But Pitney Bowes still has a pretty pretty great first mover advantage. Yeah. The one thing, I got a little bit of, of dirt here. So if Ooh. you Google the address and the return label, 9271 Meridian Way, takes a minute to find it, but there's a fulfillment company called Jagged Peak that operates out of that facility. Ooh. So I'm going to go out on a limb because you could have like those big buildings, you could have multiple companies operating out of there, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's a really strong likelihood that Jagged Peak fulfillment is is who actually is doing this for them. And if we look at a little bit about them, they're a subsidiary of Singapore Post Limited, which means you've got a Singapore company operating a US division shipping Fenty products. Just neither here nor there. I just, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I just always want to know how the world works. I, I, I'm i with you. And I find it interesting too, because as you know, your average layperson who's just ordering something online, I would have had no idea that there's, this is like a relay race where the yeah. baton is being handed off, yeah. you know, and each person in, or entity is responsible for their one little section yep, yep. of the of the race. It very and much I, is a relay race. I and wouldn't so, have thought of that. Yeah. And so if you think about supply chain, a lot of people are thinking about, you know, pallets and trucks and containers coming in off ocean freight. And then, you know, my personal expertise was in the fulfillment out to the end consumer where, okay, you've got, you're off the truck, you're in a U.S. building, and now we need to get it to the consumer. And so typically that's called fulfillment, and which is a word, honestly, I didn't know that word when I started writing fulfillment software. <laughs> I was on year five when somebody said, I think what you're building is called the WMS. And I was like, great, what's that stand for? <laughs> Uh, what does it stand for? <laughs> warehouse <laughs> management system. Oh. Um, every industry has their like whatever WMS, uh, whatever MS, right? Something, mm -hmm. something management, management system. system. And yeah. So in, in fulfillment, it's it's the WMS. Is there anything else on this label that strikes? The other interesting thing, um, if you look at this as USPS first class package, which as of July of 2023 and next year, um, that's not going to be a service. That's oh. all being replaced by USPS Ground Advantage. The USPS Parcel Select and First Class Package are just, they're, they're gone. And so now you're actually starting to see packages in the wild that have a G in the top left instead of the F. I actually got a photo of a package really far away as they're being boarded onto an airplane. And they had that G on there. So I, I can't be positive, but I'm, I'm thinking that G means the, the Ground Advantage labels are, are starting to show up in the wild. Did you know that the USPS does not operate their own aircraft. No. So like I FedEx can't. and UPS, they have these big fleets of, of planes. Mm -hmm. FedEx, I haven't looked at the number in a while, but I think it's the largest fleet of, of planes is, is FedEx. USPS does not have any planes. They buy, they, they ship some stuff with FedEx 
and they buy storage space on passenger flights, commercial passenger flights. So basically, when you're flying somewhere, you're potentially flying with a bunch of mail. You're most likely flying with mail. The numbers, it's like thousands of of daily flights carry U.S. mail as part of their, it's like 5 to 10% of um, carriers' revenue is is shipping mail. I don't want to call myself the doom and gloom thinker. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm generally pretty happy. I have no idea where you're going to go with this. <laughs> I, I really want to hear this. Is, is is all of that stuff screened before it gets on board a plane? Oh, could you ship a bomb? Uh, yes, <laughs> or it's all it's all going to be horrible thing. It's all yeah. going to be screened. I'm I'm virtually certain. You know, I I don't know if you know the answer to this, but in the quote unquote olden days. It was pretty widely known that if you could pay postage on something and put an address on it, you could send anything through the USPS, a hard-boiled egg yeah, or, you know, whatever. I guess it's still the same, but maybe you just have to box it up better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, can't, I don't know if they'd still deliver a hard-boiled egg. Yeah. Uh, another fun fact, and maybe this is maybe they had to do this because of the hard people mailing hard-boiled eggs. USPS is one of the first usages of AI going back even uh, you know thirty years. It was one of the first because they do handwriting detection to turn handwriting into like computerized routing. And that was one of the first examples of, I mean, machine learning, AI, how you want to classify these things can get a little nuanced. But what we, what a lot of what we're calling AI today was originally done at USPS decades ago. And you're talking about the little tick, 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 tick at the yeah, bottom of your envelope. Have a, some have, mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll have it printed on or a label will be a pride. It's like a, it's, it looks a little bit like a barcode, but it's very spaced out. And so USPS has a the way they used to do it, I'm not sure how much of it has changed over time, but it was really fascinating. They would take a photo of an address, you know, coming along in a sort system. So you get a photo and then they would send it across the network to an operator, like all these people with computer screens. And all their job is to turn that into like a, a typed version of the address. And they're getting an AI assist to do a lot of it automatically. And then also kind of hand keying things when you know maybe the AI got a, a bad result or they needed to kind of work an edge. So then you would get a human reviewed address and then that would turn into the label on the other end so that you're able to go through all of these sort of facilities with a dedicated staff who just did handwriting recognition with, with an AI assist. Today I learned. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's just so cool when you think about, I love these like big scale problems. You're like, okay, you have like a million packages a day how are we going to route them effectively? How, how, but they're all written in, you know, grandma's shaky handwriting. Go. Right. <laughs> like, solve right. it. <laughs> I had no idea, but it's fascinating. Yeah. I just think, I just think um, big systems are cool. I know what happened when we un- unboxed our, the lipstick that we ordered. Have you yeah. noticed anything about your lipstick yet? Yes, what did I you, did. What, what, did, what did you find? I found, well, it was, I found that my fear, Uh Maybe I am doom and gloom. My fear has been realized. The lipstick itself is the refill. Yeah. So now I need to order a container (laughs) for it because I want to keep the lipstick. I think you're sending yours back, but this color is gorgeous. I want to keep it. And I I don't know if you remember this, but I did also order mascara because I'm a fiend. (laughs) This looks great. 
Anyway, what is real quick? What can we look at this thing? Um, I, I have some things. You got some things. Are, what do, do, what do yeah, you? Yeah. Do you have your inside? Yeah. Oh my. I do. There's goodness. a lot on here. There's, There's a, a lot. lot. Like, so for example, from our first episode covering Patagonia, mm-hmm. you explained to me what a wave was, what mm-hmm. a slot was. Mm-hmm. And I see here a sort station and bay. Yeah. I mean, there's a site warehouse. There's like there's all everything. kinds. Of, <laughs> yeah, there, there's everything. Like this is, what's interesting to me is it's basically the geography of what happened yeah. to pull this shipment together. Yeah. So I'm curious. I see it as like the map and the legend. What do you see when you take a look at this? Uh, so my my mind went in a different direction altogether. So there's a couple of things I saw on here. Number one, the location is FNT 11. 11- 083. That's like the warehouse location inside the facility. That's what's going to give your pickers, you know, something to where they had to get it from. And so I thought it was interesting that it used a Fenty, you know, FNT is is obviously Fenty, that it used that prefix, which means all of the Fenty products are going to be together. Like if I sorted my locations like alphabetically or some other way, then all my Fenty products would be together um, compared to other brands. So I thought that was interesting that they're maybe running a separate section just for Fenty. And so that was probably, I, I'm guessing that was the same for your Crowdsurfer lipstick. My lipstick is FNT 11636. Wait, what? did we? I thought, what color did you get? FB0488? Because the lipstick oh, should have had the same location. It does. It does. Okay. So lipstick has the same location. And 11083. Yeah, and then the mascara has what? FNT 11636. 636. So 083 to 636. So quite a ways away. That's like 600 units away. But still inside that that same Fenty location. I don't know. I love that stuff. What Mine was in batch 2F01. Were you just in the same batch? Okay. So that's interesting. We were part of this. We ordered at a similar time. And so we got pulled into that same cohort of orders that went out and got picked and packed together. And then my, my mascara was in a different batch. As expected. Oh, your mascara was in a different batch. Yeah, it's 2G01. Wow. So that that makes me think that the batch is actually a pick run and that they're doing like a put away wall where they'll pick from, you know, different sections of the warehouse and not necessarily like a complete order, right? Because you've got two batches for two different items. And so they're doing those pick runs in a batch ID. And then you've got your, it says your slot. Mine is slot 29. What's What slot are you? Same, 29. You're also slot 29. Okay. What about your sort station slash bay? One and one. So is mine. What about your wave number? Wave date should be the same. What about, what's your wave number? 2322. Ah. Uh-huh. Whoa. <laughs> so I'm wave 2326. What? So somewhere they have to somehow like, because if you're, if we're in, if your two items are in different batches and you have different pick runs, they have to be unified to your order somehow, right? Because you've got two pick runs that need to be sorted down to the order level. So the wave could be the way they're doing it. I've not seen them use, I've not seen wave use like that. Does this mean 
or could potentially mean. So yours was 2326. Mine's mm-hmm. 2322. Both of us received it on the Friday. Maybe mine was shipped. Yeah, but there uh, what's your your what's your wave date? Mine's 620. Same. So I think they shipped at the same time. I think there's there's somehow that wave must be used in maybe as an order reference because there's there's always two sorts, right? There's a there's like with any kind of fulfillment, there's you want to optimize at one layer to get it out off the shelves in these groups, but then you need to do a resort between the shelf grouping to the order grouping. And so you always, that's just kind of, you can't get around that. I wonder if that wave is reflecting of of an order. I never thought I'd be so fascinated by, <laughs> you know, just a, a variation in some numbers on a packing slip. So I have a, I have another a mystery that I don't, I don't know that we're going to get to solve. On the the packing slip is an integrated label, meaning it's got these pull-off stickers on it. One of them you could use, they give you if you wanted to return it, it's got their returns address and my starting address. That's nice. The other one, it's got the three kind of tear-offs for a order ID barcode, one of which I think C made it to the outside of the package above the label. But then another one is has been taken off and it's gone. It doesn't appear anywhere on the package. Yours has the same thing, where yeah. two have been taken off and only one appears where the hell is that other integrated label going i i don't know because i didn't even know like when i saw this yeah so it's the middle label that is remaining on the packing slip yeah. when i saw that i didn't it didn't even occur to me that there would have been a label yeah. up above it and below it it that's supports the same it supports but, three yeah yeah and you're right. Now that I'm looking at the outside yeah, package, yours is the same as mine. Mine's the same. So I, my guess is that it goes to like a logbook where every order, as it gets shipped, you know, gets they take the sticker off, they put it into a logbook. That that logbook is going to get really thick and unwieldy. I can't imagine like storing those things would be insane. But they're they're giving themselves some last bit of proof to like maybe they they scan it out when they put it into the the mail system that says yeah we this package has been handed off. Seems like overkill to me. I, I did all that digitally. Honestly, we stopped even doing the integrated labels years and years ago because it's it takes material time to apply them to the package, and we just we found other solutions. I'm looking at the instructions on the back of the the packing yeah slip so, to make the return yeah pack the item blah 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 attach the prepaid return label to the front of the package but it doesn't say anything yeah. about that barcode well well right they've got two different systems that are disagree with each other because one says go to fentybeauty.com slash returns and get instructions to print a prepaid label but then they also give you this prepaid label i have a theory on why you would have to have them both do you want to hear it yeah why why? The prepaid labels that they sell you are only for U.S. orders. And if you wanted to return something from an international destination, then you would use the other one. They are not going to sell you an international label for returns. They're just, they're too expensive. Well, you're going to, you're going to return your lipstick or is someone in the household keeping it? The people or- in my household were disappointed with the the fact that the case shipped extra and they were disappointed that I ordered your color and not theirs. And so... Uh, <laughs> Somehow you got in the doghouse <laughs> twice. <laughs> it, what it taught me is don't order from such interesting 
brands. My my take on it is like, these are just objects. I don't have any attachment to them at all. But what ended up happening is like, no, that they were going to, they were, they were going to order from Fenty, but wanted to see what, what it looked like before they made the decision. And they ended up seeing the, the insert and they decided not to make their order. They said it was smaller than they expected and they didn't like having to buy the case separate. And that just. Well, this is great feedback for Fenty. Front lines. I, I may call when we finish recording. This is something that I could be obsessed with. <laughs> I may call customer service and at, talk to them about it, see what they have to say, and I'll report back after. Please do. If you see what see what they say, is it by design? Why why did that happen to us? Um, mm-hmm. The one last thing I do want to give them a shout out. It is a fully compostable mailer that it shipped in. I hate that the company put their brand so bold on this. I don't want to say their name because it's it's too big and it's tacky to to put it on the packaging. But I do give them full props for shipping in a, a fully recyclable compostable packaging. I double props. I'm with you. And if you don't have composting services in your community, it does. It is accepted by curbside recycling as yeah. well. It's a cushiony bag without the cushion. Yeah. You know, the yeah, plastic. Just the way it, it kind of crinkles a little bit, creating its own. It mm-hmm. resists, It resists, but does crinkle in a, in a probably helpful way. You could have made it half the size to ship the products that we ordered and it would have been just as effective. This was a good one. I'm getting excited about the next one. I know. I know. We'll have to do the next one. I haven't uh, I haven't picked anybody yet, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I have a feeling it will be. We tossed around some ideas offline, so I'm curious. In the meanwhile, I mean, what did we think of Fenty? I feel like we should rate it or somehow like give it. What is the unboxed seal of? I love it. Like yes, we'll create a scorecard and th- yeah. whatever standard we whatever wanna... standard we'll, we'll give it something. Thanks for listening. James's latest company is called Trivial. They are building a data platform for online businesses to quickly see the metrics that make a difference. And Jennifer's business, Roo, that's R-O-U-X, provides the operating structure for growing businesses so they can move from fires to flow. If you have an unboxing experience you'd like us to evaluate, you can find us on LinkedIn. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Unboxing E-Commerce wherever you get your podcasts. Bye-bye.